Thank you for your interest in listening to today's podcast. We hope and pray that today's topic will have some sort of influence to bring about transformation in your life. Now, please enjoy this talk on Fernando Franco's podcast. Today, what I want to do is give you uh, insight on what to this on what this logo represents, because every logo represents something. FedEx, Amazon, uh, UPS, uh, MGM. Um, I mean, there's logos, and they represent something. Nike, Adidas, uh, all of these logos. If you look closely, they have a message in the logo. And so, this logo has a message. And I want to give that message to you because you need to know who we are and where we are going. Say that with me. Say, who we are. Now look at your neighbor and say, where are we going? Thank you for participating this morning. So let me talk to you about three things today, okay? Number one, what our logo represents. In the logo, you're going to find the word city view. In city view, actually, the word actually represents continually seeing the need in our city, viewing the need always. That was something that I think was going to be important when it came to giving a name to our church, because the name needs to match the character of the church. The name needs to match the behavior of the church. And so we knew one thing about us is that we had always been concerned with the need in the city. And it was Pastor Steve and I were talking the other day and he was seen on Shark Tank. And there was this person who was trying to present this idea to the sharks. And one of the sharks told this person, as long as there is always a need for that product, then that business will never go out of business. As long as there is a need for that product, for example, there's always a need for food. There's always a need for grave sites. There's always a need for cremation. There's always a need for fuel and oil and gasoline. There's always a need for transportation. There's always a need for electricity. So whatever there's always a need for, um, it's never going to go out of business unless something comes out and shuts it out of business. See, Blockbuster failed to keep up with technology. Therefore, companies like Netflix were able to put Blockbuster out of business. So relevancy is very important as well when it comes to staying in business. And so that's why it's important, and you're going to find out why in our vision statement, we talk about reaching all walks of life. It's because we got to remain relevant with the need. And the need... And relevance that go together. Here's what I'm talking about is that, see, when we talk about, uh, let's just say drug addicts. When we talk about drug addicts, drug addicts no longer are just in the back of an alley wearing black jackets with a suspenders on and khakis and a pair of winos. Drug addicts today are the one prescribing you drugs when you see your own doctor. 
I'm not saying your doctor's one, but I know personally of doctors who are drug addicts. I know of lawyers who are drug addicts. I know of politicians who are drug addicts. So when they walk into our church, we're going to have to understand that they are part of the view that we have for this city. Continually seeing the need. City view. View is another word for vision. It's another word for vision. Always having a vision for the city. I was talking with this pastor this, at lunch. It's Pastor Lance from Calvary Chapel. And we're having lunch together, and uh, I was just telling him a little bit about our story, and then we begin to talk about our churches, and then we, he, we begin to talk about our church name, and then I begin to break down the name of our church on why it's called City View. It's a vision for the city, a vision for the city. In Luke chapter 19, verse 41, Jesus tells us exactly about this. It says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. Saw the city and wept. You talk about a need. You talk about feeling a need, seeing a need. Not just, not just feeling a need and seeing the need, but wanting to be part of the need. That's when you know you really have a heart for the city. Is when you want to see your heart got to be a part. A part, your heart and part got to be joined together if it's actually going to be a vision in action. If it's just not, if it's not a vision with action, it's just philosophy. And so that's why it is very important, you guys, that you do show up and I show up today at three o'clock because we're able to see from our own chief of police and we're able to hear from our very own chief of police the heart for this city. Jesus saw the city and he wept over it and the Two, there's only two recorded instances in the Bible where Jesus cried, where Jesus wept, where he shed tears. The first incident is when, when Lazarus died. See, Jesus cried when his friend died, and the other incident is right here. Jesus cried over the city, Jerusalem. This is a triumphal entry. This is when he was riding the donkey and he was, and he was descending down into Jerusalem's plain level and he began to weep over the city. And that word cry in the scripture is the Greek word eklesin, which actually is translated to wept aloud. Jesus actually wept aloud. It wasn't an internal cry. It wasn't just a heartfelt cry, but it was a literal outbursting of cry. And this is the same word that is used when Peter wept. Mark tells us that Peter remembered the word that Jesus had spoken to him before the rooster crows twice. You will disown me three times. And he broke down and he wept. So the word wept in Peter's testimony is the same Greek word wept that we just read about in Jesus's coming into Jerusalem. This word wept. The Greek word wept aloud is translated to us in English as a bitter cry. A bitter cry. You know, you know what a bitter cry is? If you've ever been through a divorce, 
And especially if it was your fault, there is a cry that is bitter that takes place. You are folded up in a fetal position and you cry and it's a bitter cry. You know what a bitter cry is? Is when you lose a child in death or a husband in death or a parent in death. There's a cry, there's a weeping that comes out loud that you can't explain. It's a certain kind of cry that is different from when you stump your toe in the middle of the night. And this is the kind of cry that Jesus wept when he saw the need of the city, when he descended down into Jerusalem. This is the great ambassador of heaven. He's making his public entry into Jerusalem. And he's making this entry not to, not to be respected, but to be rejected. And we can make our entry into Oxnard Plaza Park today, and we're gonna be given respect, but we make that entry, because why? Because we gotta learn how to weep over this city. The guys in the Thrive House every morning, they're praying, and they're praying for their family, they're praying for the fathers, they're praying for the relationships, they're praying for their children, they're praying for the friends who are still out there in the county jail and behind prison bars, they're praying for the friends that are still strung out in the alleys and the highways, and they're praying for their mother who's been divorced with her father, for over 30 years and they're praying for them. Well, guess what? You know how you ended up here? Because there was a group of people that were here before you ever arrived that wept for you, that prayed for you, that cried for you because they saw the need in this city. But the great ambassador of heaven is making his public entry and the tears that he shed as he was approaching the ruin of that city called Jerusalem. He came down and he wept over it. And as he was descending down, you got to understand something is that you see, until you descend downward, until you humble yourself, you will never be broken. Until you humble yourself, you'll never cry for somebody else. You'll only cry for yourself. But when you descend down like Jesus did on his descent into Jerusalem is where he began to weep out loud. And why? It's because as he started on top and began to go down, he had full view of the city. And you got to have a view that is full. Not full of yourself, but full of the need. And Jesus cries, he wept in the midst of his triumphs. Everybody were praising him and rejoicing him, but his weeping showed how really elevated he really was. He was not elevated by the applause and the acclamation of the crowd. He was at a place of humility as he cried over that city, carrying his own cross, now after his trial, a very unjust and unfair trial that was so unfair that it took a six-step process to convict an innocent man. Where normally you just went before the government and you were declared guilty in one day. That couldn't happen with Jesus is because there was innocence. And whenever there's innocence, there's confusion and there's difficulty to make decision over the, the verdict of an innocent man. But he was sentenced to death. And now you find him in the same city 
carrying his own cross. And he happens to see a lady who was weeping. And she's weeping for him. But Jesus looks at her and says, don't weep for me, woman. He says, weep for yourself and weep for your children. What he was talking about was the condition that Jerusalem was in. It was in ruin. It was sinful. It was no longer holy as it was intended to be. And Jesus looked at her and says, it's not me who's in trouble. It's this city that's in trouble. No matter how successful you ever become or this church ever becomes, we should always weep for this city. City View Worship. The word worship in this logo stands for continually lifting up the name of Jesus in this church. In John 12, 32, Jesus said, and if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. That's our scripture, by the way, if you don't know. John 12, 32. That's the scripture for this church. And if I be lifted up from this earth, I will draw all men unto me. By the death of Jesus Christ, souls should be converted. Not by your testimony and not by your great talent. Not by your awesome preaching and by your miraculous wisdom. That's not where souls get saved. Souls get saved... There's no other name under heaven which a man can be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ. So I, should, I truly believe a church name should never take the credit for somebody's salvation. I believe a preacher's name should never take the credit for somebody's salvation. I don't care how well of a preacher that preacher is. And I look up to great preachers like Bishop T.D. Jakes and like Stephen Furtick and like Ern McManus and, and, and Chad Veach and, and Judah Smith. And I look at these great speakers and I look up to them. But these preachers, including all the great preachers we have here in this church, ought to take beware that we should never ever think it's because of our great preaching why people are getting saved. Because people get saved whether you are mellow or whether you are radical or whether you scream or you just talk. But most people get saved not because of how you preach but because how a person lives. I don't think a church should ever take credit for somebody's salvation. And as Jesus he said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all unto, uh, men unto me. And what most people don't know is that what he was referring to was the day of his crucifixion. What it was referring to was that when his cross would be lifted up at the time of crucifixion. That was going to be the day when all men would be drawn unto him. That would be the day when the proof would be in the pudding. That would be the day when the entire world would pay attention to a man who was dying for them. He said, and if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. And as Jesus was being lifted up on that cross, Satan was being shoved into hell and tormented with defeat. And as long as this church, as long as your church and my church and every church in this city lifts up the name of Jesus, Satan will have to be defeated in this church and in those churches. He will remain shoved into the pit of hell and the gates of hell will not prevail against this church and no other church that keeps Jesus on the pedestal of their platform. The great design of our Lord and Jesus which was to draw all men unto him. All. Repeat after me. Say all. all. 
I'll say it again, all. This included his enemies, Jews, Gentiles, black, Asian, white, European, Mexican, the wealthy, the poor. All men would be drawn unto him. And first, you got to understand this very clear. It is Christ who draws. So those of you with the gift of evangelism, don't ever think it was because of you. It is Christ who draws. No matter how the flyer looks or no matter how the flyer don't look, don't you ever think that it is because of you. Yes, you're the oracle. Yes, you're an instrument. Yes, you're a tool. Yes, you're an arrow. Yes, you're part of the quiver. But you got to understand that it was not your blood that was shed for that person who decided to give his or her life to Jesus Christ. It is Christ that draws all men unto him don't ever take the glory for someone's salvation I will draw he does not drive by force people to receive him but he draws them with his love you know this generation they're afraid to come to church because they don't want to be preached to they don't want to be told what they're doing is wrong because they know that already. They want to be told how they can get out of the wrong. And there's only one way to get out of the wrong is to know that you're going to be loved through it. Yes, yeah, somebody's in sin. That don't mean you don't talk to that person. Yes, somebody still drinks in the church. That doesn't mean you don't talk to that person. Yes, somebody's still chipping on the side. That doesn't mean that they are Satan's child now. That's not what's going to win the world. What's going to win the world is a true message. Why Jesus died for that sin. You never know how you can be used of God. I don't think those Roman soldiers knew that when they were lifting Jesus' cross up, that they were being instruments of a whole world being drawn to Jesus. And so you never know how God can use you in the little things that you're doing. Those soldiers never knew that they would be used by God. To say, all they were simply doing was their job. It's time to lift up this cross, but little did they know how they were being used as an instrument lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. So at your workplace, lift up Jesus. At college, lift up Jesus. And even if you get arrested on a warrant, lift up Jesus for those 19 days. I don't care where you're at, lift up Jesus where you are at. You never know how you can be used by God. Thirdly, the symbol of the cross. This is the last thing I'm talking about. In our logo, it's very important that we kept the cross in the logo. It symbolizes continually preaching the message of the cross no matter what. No matter what. You know why I answered that no matter what? It's because you never know, you never know 20, 30, 50 years from now that churches will be told that they can no longer exist. But I wonder what kind of generation will follow us if they ever have to become an underground church if they would still preach the message of the cross. Because that's what they do in Jerusalem today. That's what they do in India. That's what they do in China. 
There's a group of people in Cuba. There's people in communist countries that are not allowed to preach the gospel like in Indonesia, but it doesn't matter to them. They still preach the message of the cross no matter what. And so in Galatians, it says Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. You were a curse, but he became that curse for you. You're not a jerk. You used to be, but he redeemed you from that curse by becoming a curse for you. It wasn't you that was spat on. It wasn't you whose clothes were gambled for. It wasn't you who 15 nails were put through the body. It wasn't you who died a slow death of six hours. It wasn't you who was dying of thirst. It wasn't you who was stabbed after you were died. It wasn't you who was made fun of. He became that curse so you don't have to be that. Now that's where you should have clapped. That's where he deserves to clap. Some of us get more excited when we go out to dinner and that person that you invited to dinner says, you know what, I got you, I'll take care of the bill. You serious? Really? Oh man, give me a hug. And I just break down a whole thing how somebody died for you and took your place as being a curse and I got a... You get more excited about a paid spaghetti than the paid salvation. See, in Jesus' day, the cross was a huge shame. <clears throat> it was a huge shame. It, it involved nakedness. You, you were stripped down naked if you were going to be crucified. It was physical humiliation that would take place. Blame. I mean, you must have done something horribly horrendous if you were going to die that way of death. And it's so sad when an innocent man has to take on that kind of blame. Because Jesus was the furthest of what he was being accused of. The cross here at this church on that logo, that cross is the heart of this church's message. It's the heart of this message. When somebody starts preaching about themselves, that's not the heart of the, of the gospel. When somebody starts preaching about self-gain, that's not the message of the cross. The cross is the heart of the message of this church. And we must remember that the cross entitles and it represents love. But hear me now because some of you need to catch this. Because there got to be a balanced doctrine here in this church. Love conquers all. Love covers multitudes of sins. And without love, you are just a sounding, clanging symbol and just a loud noise. And, and, you know, yes, we know that the message of the cross is love. But we have to understand that there's a message of the cross and then there's the price of a cross. And the cross is the message of this church. And the price of the cross is entitles things like sacrifice. I'm sorry, am I going to get detention for saying that? Am I going to be sent to the principal's office for saying sacrifice? There's people who are sacrificing here every Sunday. 
while you're still asleep, they're here setting stuff up. There's people sacrificing. There's people sacrificing. Join the cross club. Sacrifice with the rest of us. Well, how long do I sacrifice? You want to know how long you sacrifice? Well, I already sacrificed. I've been part of the church 18 years ago. And I did this in 2005. And I did this in 2011. And in 2015, I just gave all my life away. How long do you want me to sacrifice? I'll tell you how long. As long as Jesus did till he died. It's rugged, it's painful, there's splinters involved, there's death, there's blood. There's something called carrying a burden. You're carrying a cross. That's why Jesus, Jesus said this by faith. He looked at people who wanted to follow him and he says, he says, unless you take up your own cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. That's what I loved about Jesus. Everything he preached about, he practiced. Because he was tested with that sermon that he preached to the disciples. When he said, unless you take up your cross, you can't follow me. Well, he was tested with it the day that he was going to have to carry his own cross. And he did until he collapsed, until he nearly passed out. And then they called a man by the name of Simon from Cyrene to carry Jesus his cross. I wonder what the crown looks like in heaven for that man, Simon. Imagine being that privileged one. He paid for more than just a dinner called spaghetti. He carried the cross for Jesus. The symbol of the heartbeat, number four. What does that represent? There's a heartbeat there. Bring the logo up, please. I'm sorry. I'll let them know. There, there, there's, there's, a, there's a heartbeat there in our logo. And that represents continually breathing life into people and keeping hearts beating. I don't care how many times a person backslides. We breathe life into them. I don't care how many times a person goes through a divorce, we, bring, we breathe life into them. I don't care how many times somebody commits adultery, we breathe life into them. You see, there's people here today, you don't like this preaching. And perhaps because there may be a Pharisee spirit that is on you, or a Sadducee spirit. And that's the same spirit that falsely accused Jesus. That's the same crowd that falsely accused him. And they never saw the big picture. The whole purpose why Jesus died. We continually breathe life into people. The church is a hospital, not a courtroom. Listen, I'll tell you something, man. I've learned a lot in the last two years. That I wasn't the person that I thought I was. Because it's very easy to preach to people until you're faced with what you have to live, what you've been preaching your whole life. I've learned to love more than ever before. Because I saw how many people loved me at my lowest point in life. So it would not be fair for me to not love somebody at their lowest point in their life. And you will have lowest points in life. 
And there'll be more than just one lowest point in your life. The longer you live, the more of them you have. Continually breathing life into the people and keeping their hearts beating. In this church, we don't have something that is called the DNR. When somebody is sent home to die or when somebody is in the hospital and they are given the opportunity to choose if they're going to take the DNR or not. DNR stands for do not resuscitate. That person is saying, if I go to into cardiac arrest while I'm here, if I stop breathing while I'm in this hospital, then I sign a waiver that I, I am saying, uh, uh, put me on the DNR list. I don't want you to breathe life back into me if I stop breathing in my last days of life. Well, I'm here to say this church has not signed a DNR waiver when people are having a hard time and they're stopped to breathe and they're having a hard time breathing and they just can't walk and serve anymore and they can't have faith for their own life anymore and they can't see beyond tomorrow and they're in need of a physician and they're in need of a love rather than a rebuke and when they're in need of an embrace rather than a kick and when they're in need of being accepted rather than rejected then this church will not practice a do not resuscitate we will breathe into people's lives as long until they come back to life I wish I had an amen if you've never been down and out you don't know what I'm talking about but if you've been down with a curb and you just needed somebody to love you and believe in you and trust you and to say I know you can do it again then you don't know what I'm talking about you have our mission statement and you have our vision statement on your seat Uh, read it read it again when you get home because I need to end this soon But listen to this. Abraham Lincoln said this. Those who deny freedom to others deserve it not for themselves. I've learned that when somebody don't want to come to church because they're tired. If I ever miss church because I was tired. How can I tell that person to be in church when I've stood home when I was tired? I think this president was right when he said those who deny freedom to others deserve it not for themselves. Listen, if you show mercy, you'll receive mercy. We thank you for listening to today's podcast. Now it's your time to add the value of this podcast to your daily life. Once again, thank you for your time in listening to Fernando Franco's podcast today. Please help us spread this message by compelling someone today about this podcast. Thank you, and may God bless you.